0: My name is Leszek, and I will be talking to Kodysius Zobodija uh, about the impact of AI in investment management and strategies for building effective teams. So you've amassed a wealth of experiences in technology and finance from uh, hands-on the development to leading teams and shaping strategic vision. Uh, it's a journey that many people can learn from, uh, and of course, your time as technical director at Tora Trading, uh, and now CTO Everon stands out as particularly no, not, uh, no, noteworthy. So I'm really looking forward to diving into your insights, and thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for, uh, for having me. Sure. I, will, I want to start off by asking what drew drew you to financial technologies? Uh, okay. What drew
1: me to financial technology? I have to say that what drew me initially was the pure chance. What mainly stayed, uh, what made me stay here, you know, for, for this long that, that was not chance uh, uh yeah. Initially I just out of university pretty much uh, got hired uh, into like a hedge fund. Uh, I did not know at that point what a hedge fund was, uh, but that was, uh, like eye-opening for me. So, like in this industry, the, the level of engineering challenges is amazing. So, uh, and the level you, the the competence of the people you work with, it's absolutely amazing. This is not very visible to the outside world because all the companies are very very uh, fit. uh they keep their cards very close to their chest. Uh, but the the guys you work with and the guys you compete against, uh, they're never, it's pretty much amazing. So that's what kept me in the game for, for this
0: long. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Everon. And um, so the question here is, can you tell me a, about its role in the private banking and wealth management space? Uh, or specifically, what kind of services uh, does the company specialize in?
1: Okay. Okay. So our tagline is that we want to be a digital wealth manager. So in the in the private banking space, uh, wealth manager is a, a institution which basically manages portfolios, of us, manages the wealth of their clients, and we are such a wealth manager, but we want to be a digital force uh what and what does that, that mean. I mean basically in private banking uh the private banking industry is very interaction intensive. So basically you spend a lot of time, uh the provider spends a lot of time with the clients on the phone, right? He may have uh face to face meetings and so on and so forth. And besides that besides the interaction, um you offer with your services, which are wealth management, can be access to various uh, to various markets, can be advising advising and um, all kinds of uh, other services and uh, what we want to do is we want to offer all the benefits you get uh, in, uh, in the private banking industry but with the digital interaction so what it means that is that we uh want most of the interaction to happen uh to our mobile apps basically we see the mobile apps at the future uh in private banking for uh, we are uh, the kind of a pioneer people say okay you can't do private banking on a mobile app but we see things a little bit differently we see that there's a new generation of people um, people around 30 uh, 30 something uh, who have already uh, amassed uh, some money and uh, these people are not used to you know uh, being on the phone or something like that they are not used to getting an email with their uh, portfolio balance at the end of the month, they want to see everything. They these people were raised with, with the mobile in their hand. And they want to see everything right away. So uh, we aim, uh, we, sorry, we target this generation and um, we aim to be the, the first uh, yeah, digital uh, wealth manager. Uh, we start in Switzerland and we want to
0: expand. We are now at the point where we start uh, expanding outside of
1: Switzerland. Nice.
0: And just to get it, this right um, this wealth management management and uh, private wealth management is um, does it mean that uh, companies offering those services actually execute orders on behalf of the clients or is it more advisory or both uh, just I mean in the in the private banking
1: industry you have various levels um, you have advisors. Uh, you have well, just like ourselves and they have for example, banks, the banks, they have the custody, uh, they keep, they, they keep the custody of the assets. We are not the bank. We don't have custody. We work with the other Swiss banks, uh, but we have a full, it's called discretionary mandate. So basically we have the full right of uh, investing that those assets in, in the name of our client. It's not like we uh, only uh, advise them, but the way it works in our case, we agree on some, uh, uh, on some high level with, uh, our clients, uh, kind of structure portfolio, And then from their point on, we take, we completely take over and we manage, uh, we manage, uh, the whole investment process and it's, it's, uh, it's, completely customizable. So basically each of our clients gets a, a custom basic portfolio based on their preference and what we agree with them. And then we completely manage that, that, that uh, ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. okay. Uh, if I may ask, uh, when it comes to actually the advisory part or selecting assets for the portfolio, is it um, assisted by algorithms, AI, or it's uh, driven by humans or both? Mm, how to uh, how can one look at this? Because there's a dis advisory part, yeah.
1: Now, so in our case, the combination of uh, algorithms and human touch. We have uh, we have an algorithmic approach. I mean, I have to tell you that. I mean, I've been in this, in this industry for for uh, twenty years. Everybody has an algorithmic approach. Some people have the algorithms written code. Some people have them in their head, but everybody has to have a system, an algorithm for trading. Uh, Um, In our case, it's uh, a combination, we have um, the algorithms, but what's different in our case is that we have many, many parameters uh, in our algorithms. So basically, which allows us, I think we have some like few hundred parameters, which allows uh, us to actually personalize each of the portfolios for each of our clients based on their preference. So basically, we have an algorithm, yes, we input all lots of parameters, and then at the end, uh, our profile managers they do review um, the actions, and then the, uh, the actions are uh,
0: committed. to the market. okay, okay. Super interesting. interesting. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, but I mean that the targets for us is just just to be, uh, to be very uh, very honest. The targets for us is to be efficient. We want the uh, uh, but we want to be able to customize and to offer this kind of customizable uh, personalized offer. And you cannot do that uh, for high-hour clients unless you combine uh, the strength of these two. But I have to tell you again, based on my previous experience, um, algorithms, are, algorithms are actually way better than humans at being very disciplined and uh, you know uh, keeping to the
0: strategy. And uh, that's super important in the, uh, in the trading. Okay. And uh, final questions about the uh, the system. Uh... I assume that uh the system and um generally the approach in bank private banking services allows uh users or the investors if you will to invest in multiple asset classes uh it's not limited to equities or or fixed income there are also probably uh, plenty of others uh class of assets right absolutely right. so when,
1: I mean, we are talking about people who are relatively wealthy, our target is actually FN people, not the high net worth individuals or ultra high net worth individuals, but rather the affluent people. Uh, but anyway, people who uh, are wealthy, they invest in various, things. they invest obviously in the in the, uh, the assets listed on exchanges, which uh, you mentioned, but they also invest in all kinds of other, uh, assets I mean, crypto might be a well-known one, but there might be private markets. For example, if you want to uh, invest in SpaceX, at this moment it's not listed in our market, yeah. so you need to go through a certain through, through certain channels. Basically, you need to be a qualified investor, which you can be if you uh, come to us. Uh, but there are also art markets or their um, commodities, um, collectionable, all kinds of so-called non-bankable assets, real estate, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I mean, people invest in so many things and uh, you just need to support all those things.
0: Okay. I uh, So my next question is about uh, challenges uh, uh, when it comes to building a system like this. Uh, what kind of uh, technological or operational challenges uh, you guys face? Uh, one thing after hearing your answer to my previous question is that there's probably hundreds of integrations uh, that uh, need to take place, but that that's just my guess. Are there any? Is is it, is it actually the case? Uh, and what are the other ones?
1: It's absolutely the case, and this is true not only in our case, but I have that it was the case in most of the financial uh, projects that I worked on, and I did work in various parts of the financial industry, um, integrating with other systems. another, what kind of system you build. You if you build. So for example, for the first years of my career, I build this kind of low latency, automatic trading systems, even those systems, they have to, well, not only with the exchanges, but as market providers, uh, fund finance, whatever, portfolio management systems, so you have to integrate with uh, so many other systems. They, they, no system in, in the fashion industry can exist by, can live by itself, so. You are completely right. This is one of the biggest challenges we have, and uh, it's uh, it always takes up so so much time. And it's always a fine line between uh, building a solution which is super flexible and can be integrated easily, but then you can over engineer that so badly that you waste yeah. time doing that, or just building something. On the other hand, building something which is kind of focused on what you need. Then, but. You never know. Maybe in one month you need another integration, and uh, so it's uh, it's kind of fine finding that fine line between these two spheres that uh, that is a challenge. Um, other than that, um, yeah, I mean going to what we were discussing before uh, before uh, this recording, like security, it's a huge thing. In, if you're in a part of the financial industry, you are going to be attacked, and you are going to be attacked very, very, very soon. Right. very early in your career if if you're a startup you cannot mm. uh your security from day one it has to be up there uh super important uh super super important and um I mean we've seen attacks on our systems I think but well, not day one but definitely early like few, the, the first few months as soon as you get on on get on the market get in the, in the public as soon as you publish anything about what you're offering you will start getting uh getting So security is a big one, uh, a really big one. Um, Oh, yeah, when talking about integration, the the lack of standards, that's also super painful, the lack of standards. So you you do integrate with um, so many, there's a huge variety of systems. And even if they do the same thing, there's no standard. Um, What else? The fact that, you you know, you integrate with the uh, model like operational. Uh, challenge, uh, you integrate with the various systems from various uh, providers. They all move at different speeds because I mean, everybody has their own yeah. business agenda and priorities and so on. So some people, some of your partners might be quick, some of them might take years. Uh, so it's, sometimes it's a, it's a huge operational challenge. This can be a huge operational challenge. Um, mm. like that else. Maybe a little bit. I would list the inertia, right, in the industry. Uh, there's a huge amount of inertia in the, in the financial industry.
0: In terms of technology or something else? Uh, uh, well, both
1: technology and uh, changing system, updating system. So, on one hand, you have uh, you have the systems. For example, I, I was telling you about the about the low latency systems that I was building at some time. Those things are really uh, cutting edge. They actually push the boundary of, of technology. Um but you also have some systems which people prefer not to change for like 30 years. If it works, don't change it. So if you, if you go and look into the systems of any of the large banks, you will find some courses that which have been around.
0: Mainframes, <laughs> think so.
1: uh, maybe mainframes. So they will still have they, they will still have mainframes, but uh, yeah. So there's lots of inertia. Uh, it's it's a mindset rather, oh. and uh, um, this just reflects into technology as well. But it's not it's not only technology uh, processes and uh, all kind of all stuff, uh, what kind of other aspects are, are being uh, affected.
0: in the uh private banking services, is latency of any importance as compared to uh, trading uh, software? No, not at, not at all. So in the private uh, banking space, most of the
1: time you would trade once a week or maybe once a month or something like that. So this is it's usually long-term.
0: Uh, Strategic decisions and mm-hmm.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's not even intraday trading. So it's a uh, completely different it's not it's not about trading trading mm. is about, it's more strategic mm. it's finding the right balance in your portfolio and mm. and uh, and so on so it's uh, definitely a different game it, it's it's different so I'm not saying it's easier uh, it's just different it's uh, the changes are different finding a portfolio which will work like course portfolio structure which will work over like time, time span of a few years that's super difficult actually so. Uh, Sometimes for example, when you're trading today, like low latency, okay, if you take a hard decision, it's fine because uh, it's like a statistical game. Sometimes, uh, okay, you, you get one right, but you get the right, it's fine. In, within a few seconds, you can you can make it up for uh, for an error. Uh, here,
0: it's uh, the challenges are different, let's say. So it's uh, still charging. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I'd like to uh, take a step back and talk a little bit about your career um, and my question is related to the to the uh, part of your career where you transitioned from an engineer role to equity trader, and then you moved on uh, or into a director role. Um, I want to it's super for me that was uh, that caught my attention, and I I, I want to ask what was that journey like. And can you uh, talk a little bit about the reasoning behind those transitions and how you navigated those changes? Okay. Um,
1: I mean, why I've done that is because I'm, I'm a curious person. Uh, I was interested in how those things were. Like, so maybe for the first 10 years of my career, I assisted traders uh, into like, building the tools they needed and then watching them from the side. And then I'm curious whether I can I can do it. So I tried it uh, at some point. Um, it was an interesting uh, interesting move. Um, I did find out that I was not made for that, and uh, so that's why I have done it for about uh, three years, understand. and then I stopped. I was not uh, a bad trader. I was not the best trader either, but the amount of Pressure the market was putting on me was uh, unbearable. I, I'll be very, very, very honest here. So, um, I was not the best in keeping, uh, being, being able to keep, uh, you know, the strategy, uh, keeping on with the strategy line and uh, being very disciplined and being able to resist when the market g- goes against you. I do think the, the traders are uh, good traders, they, they are something. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they do, they need to have a certain, a certain, um, or a few, a few characteristics, uh, which are a bit different. Otherwise everybody would be able to do it. And, mm-hmm. um, it was super interesting. Uh, and I've learned a lot about myself, about what I am and what I'm not, which is, uh, I think is, uh, also super valuable, super, super valuable. It's same as uh, with uh, the, the, oh, like, technology. Uh, for example, once watching my career, I, I also I almost had a near, near failure with one of the projects that I've been uh, building. And that was Donald's failure because the business side failed be- before the technology failed. But I have to admit that we were going, we were heading towards failure um, on the technology side as well. And I think I've learned from that failure from that nearness, I think I've learned a lot like a lot, um, compared to all, all the other projects which were uh, successful. And I think it's, uh, the same goes for my experiences as an equity trader. Um, I've done a reasonable job, but, uh, I also found out that, okay, this is not where, uh, my talent are best used. Mm-hmm. So I decided, no, it's better for me to focus, uh, to focus on, uh, technology and, uh, managing technology. I think uh, these are. I mean, maybe me, it made me realize that this is the area where I'm, yeah, at the top of my idea, my.
0: As I think sometimes you have to step out of your zone where the best to realize that this was actually the best. Uh, I think <laughs> it's very tempting always. The grass seems always greener somewhere else. Uh, yeah, uh, if, if you think about it, like I, it might have worked out. I might have discovered that I'm a great trader. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, you never know no. you try so uh in the end uh, I, I discovered i'm not but i discovered yeah it's uh, i enjoy a lot uh technology and managing technology uh so i um and at that time i was actually missing this part so no yeah, i got back to it and then i continued. Uh, uh,
0: but you never know until you try so Uh, just one follow-up questions, uh, but because it's uh, it's uh, maybe more personally interesting for me. But uh, can you just briefly describe what kind of um, assets were you trading? What kind of equity uh, was it? Were there, was, was the was 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 it uh, around indexes or or it was, uh, uh, indices uh, or single stocks? Oh, it, uh, it, was it was regular, regular, regular stocks, uh, mostly stock, and uh, I was doing some arbitrage
1: between the japanese market and the u.s market now mm. uh, it was mostly that and um i don't remember exactly the exchanges, it was something like a uh, different stock exchange and so i don't remember exactly like the u.s exchange uh was it price or nasdaq uh, sorry i don't remember that so it was more like an arbitrage uh spot in the arbitrage mm-hmm. uh between these two these two markets some of them some of the uh, the arbitrage relationship and these uh, assets were uh, very clear very straightforward some of them were not this uh straightforward so it was mostly um about uh, spotting this and trading this uh, this tomorrow.
0: Uh-huh. yeah yeah th- just like for for me it was super interesting because i was a uh junior maybe not a junior was a, a an apprentice at um uh dealing room, uh dealing with fixed income and some some kind of other uh derivative instruments. So it kind of resonates mm-hmm. when someone says he was a trader. I was not a trader of any kind, but just like internship there. So it's mm-hmm. uh, uh you know somehow financial background resonates with me. That's why I asked about it. Uh you've seen you've seen the energy of the market. I've the seen and uh, you know uh When I was doing the internship, it was actually 2008 uh, and it was September, Uh, somewhere around September, October, but generally uh, my internship started uh, and it was two weeks in when Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. So uh, for for the first two weeks, it was super intense. As you said, energy was through the roof, but uh, then suddenly everything stopped. And I've seen traders sleeping on their desks, uh, barely, including myself, because there was just no nothing happening for quite some time. But anyway, super yeah. interesting yeah. times for. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I
1: remember that moment. I was uh, actually our training floor was in in Santa Monica, in Los Angeles at the time. Yeah. And I remember I was there and we were working. Uh, it's, it's it's an offset week, basically. You work from from Sunday until uh, Thursday because we were uh, trading the Japanese market uh out of uh, Los Angeles and yeah I' remember about it. like, I, I remember the atmosphere and we were working late uh we started around 2 pm and we were working at like uh, three or 4 a.m and the night and it was like uh, usually by the end of the of that working day which would be midnight it would be quiet but those days it was crazy so yeah I remember that yeah, it was, uh,
0: yeah so during gifting times very interesting sorry I yeah I I, I... I, I wasn't really accurate for the very for the first twenty four hours or so or, or forty eight. It was crazy. Actually, everybody was checking their balance sheets. Uh, who's like, uh, where's the debt? Uh, where are where's my position uh, at what bank? Like, who's at risk? Uh, yeah, that, yeah. It was the first 38 hours of forty four twenty four. It was uh, it was crazy. But then it's uh, there was no liquidity. And uh, sorry, sorry, sorry for not being very accurate <laughs> about it. Yeah, no worries, no worries was wait, wait wait like uh, quite some time ago uh yeah. I want to ask you about uh, at the time at Torah, and specifically uh building the being part of this part of the team building the um the trading uh system or the system technology supporting trading I imagine there are lots of issues it's very specific uh the latency plays a big role but uh, could you elaborate a little bit more uh, about these uh, challenges you've encountered when building systems like this?
1: And okay, no, you're completely right. There are there are specific challenges. I know. I would say during my time at Torah, uh, the latency part was not that important uh, anymore. Definitely not as important as my previous experience in uh, in the hedge fund. Um, it's still important. So always one of our systems was an electronic guide, which is actually very, very strong. Uh, nowadays, Sora was acquired. So we we got acquired last year by Affinity. And it mm-hmm. is, uh, I cannot say much, but it's being used uh, a lot in, uh, Refinity, within Affinity, within the largest exchange group. Um, so latency was not that uh, important anymore. Uh, it was still important, but more important was reliability. Um, definitely mm. I mean, when you have a big enough system, it's impossible to make it 100%. Reliable. We find out, I mean, everybody finds that out, right. And, uh, that's why, uh, I mean, I still remember in my career when Google came along and they kind of revolutionized the whole industry by, uh, going for the approach where, okay, yeah, it, uh, it's better to embrace failure and, uh. Embrace the fact that things will uh, will fail, uh, and just make sure that you have good enough reliability, even if things fail. Um, and that's what we were trying to do. So try to do, try to focus on reliability. Um, there's also regulatory. Uh, the regulatory perspective always an issue in finance, but what we found is that if you approach that uh, properly uh, at the beginning, it's not a huge headache. If you do it, if you do things right initially, it's usually not a big headache. You you just, but you need to think about those things initially. Uh, It's if if regulatory comes as uh, the regulatory aspects, they do come as an afterthought. then it can be super super painful, Um, but if you handle them initially, then it's fine. you, You just said certain uh, way of doing things and then they are done like that and then
0: but i have a problem with uh with, uh, with the compliance part uh, that's uh, that's great Just go by itself. these challenges uh, are related to architecture or uh, building things uh, storing things uh, how, how do these challenges like translate into the, the technology different. and and i mean this goes again a, a bit towards what I mentioned initially
1: with the inertia. And um I have to say that the systems at Tora were designed pretty well initially. And I have to say I didn't have a huge role back then. Uh it was not my uh initial initial design was not made by, by myself. Uh, but uh, they were designed really pretty well initially. And uh, but then we continued uh, building on that a lot. Um and we made I think we right direction. We had uh, cloud storage, uh, sorry, cloud processing and whatever before cloud wasn't even a thing. We had this kind of microservice-based or kind of component-based initiative, uh, sorry, architecture before microservices were, uh, microservice-based architecture was a thing. And so we made a a few pretty good shots. And uh, right now it's like just switching because some some of the products you're using at some point they just become obsolete and you just replace that with new ones for example the messaging um messaging uh infrastructure 20 years ago everybody was u- using a system called tipco tipco rendezvous it was called rendezvous it was made by my tipco everybody in the financial industry was using that uh and then that being changed, this was like pure mastering and then it changed to something like the fabric kind of systems, uh, like GemFire or quota uh, or Active Spaces from T-Code. and then nowadays it moved to more like um, this kind of stream processing framework, like Kafka or something like that. You just adapt the bit of systems, but if you make the right um, architectural decision initially, then you're going to be fine. Okay, kind of similar with uh, what I mentioned regarding. Uh, uh, regulatory if not and we've done a few mistakes it's not like we've uh, made everything perfect uh, sometimes just need to replace something and then it takes a while and then the replacing something it's, it's always difficult and costly so yeah uh, hopefully you have the right people with the right vision in the right position
0: on the right back to make the right decision sure thank you for that um we talked a little bit about the present. We talked a little bit about the past. I want to talk a little bit about the future. And hence, my question, um, how do you see the future of investment management technologies? We already we already touched a little bit on that in the beginning, uh, That, uh, uh, but uh, I want to ask what trends do you expect will shape the industry?
1: Okay. I mean, obviously the, the word of the day is AI um which is not something new in and in, and in investment and in, I think has been used for a while and people have been trying to use it as much as possible what people call AI now is more like uh large scale language models what people were calling AI um, just a few years back was uh what the deep learning models um based on a Neural networks, uh, some various tricks like convolution and stuff like that, and the, what people were what calling AI uh, before that were the, like, uh, the feature-based models, for example, like the machines or random uh, force and stuff like that. So I think AI is not a new thing; it's evolving. It's going. To, it has been used, and it's going to be used more and more. Um, at some point, I think uh, we'll get to a point where most of the investment. Most of the orders and the executions will be done between uh, AIs. Uh, by the way, for example, in I don't have some very up-to-date numbers, but um, I think it was something almost ten years ago. Eighty uh, something percent of the orders uh, sent on the on the US exchanges were sent by automatic uh, trading systems, also autonomous trading systems. I would expect nowadays uh, to be even higher percent. I do expect ai to get there basically i do expect that in a few years most of the orders will be triggered by ai uh, uh, models uh,
0: then uh, so this is going to increase a little bit more and more the models uh, trying to overperform other models uh <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen i mean we had like the system
1: i built 20 years ago or like 18 years ago or something like that where they had an AI it was super simple but they had an AI um, and in the meantime the AI it's uh, uh, the AI models they evolved a lot so and it's going to become smarter and smarter and uh, more prevalent everywhere another another trend I've been seeing over the last few years was um, the return of the of the retail investors um, based on, for example, the the, uh, the the retail platform, like eToro or these kind of platforms, uh, allow everybody to invest in the stock market. Um, also the crypto uh, boom, they allowed the people to start trading, lots of people start trading. And um, basically I think it will still grow. Uh, people will uh, want to trade. And more and more, I think it's going to continue to grow, which it's a good thing for the institutional investors because the reality is that most of the markets, institutional investors, they make money uh, from the retail investors. The professionals are going to be usually better uh, than the retail investors. They have better tools, they have better expertise. So I think most of the money they are going to make are going to be uh, by Mm taking money from the retail investors until the market matures again and uh, uh the retail guys will see okay I mean, I'm, I'm i'm fighting professionals here so I, I, I have to stop uh but this is going to take a while that's my uh my opinion. so i think we will see more and more retail through this kind of um, platforms what kind of platforms and i do think it's a good thing for the uh, for the markets because otherwise uh the financial markets if it's only the professionals, they become a zero-sum game in a way. Um, And it's just, you know, some professionals with very good tools just getting some money from each other and uh, so on. But um, I mean, for the health of the financial markets, I I don't think it's good if uh, there's a sizeable detail component.
0: uh, Sure. Very interesting. Uh, I have to to do some follow-up. Uh, like uh, follow-up reading on on that. Um, By the way, uh, there's a cool documentary on Netflix I've seen about the uh, retail investors uh, using the Robinhood app to get back on the (laughs) institutional investors and hedge funds. You mean the GameSpot case? Yeah, I I, I don't remember the stock exactly, uh, but it was... um, about this reddit group yeah maybe maybe yeah. maybe maybe uh yeah the wall street something reddit group uh wall street yeah. bets i think that yeah. uh, sort of initiated the um that's a the bubble that's a that's a blip, uh like a, not an
1: exception but it's a good thing that it it, it, it exists right a, even professional investors they have nowadays to take that into consideration the fact that the whole retail market might align you know, and uh, fight, uh, fight against them. So it's, uh, it's, again, it's a good thing. It's one of the, like, one of the forest fires, right? Uh, in, in South forest, uh, forest, it's, it's a good thing for them. The sequoia trees would not uh, thrive without the fires. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good thing for the
0: uh, for, the, for the house of the financial market. Okay. I want to get some, I want to get uh, your advice on the leadership front. And my question is: um, You've you you've been a team leader, technical architect, uh, CTO, mm. and what are your strategies for building strong, cohesive teams that deliver spe- specifically complex technical technological products? What's your what are your tactics? What are your strategies here? Okay, I would
1: say. First of all, you need to adapt, right? You need to understand what you're doing, uh, what's, what's the what's the problem you need to solve because there's no one-size-fits-all um, answer to this question. If you are in a hedge fund, right? If you're a CTO of a hedge fund, like small hedge fund, let's say something, you will probably have like 20 developers, 10 or 20 developers, or maybe you're the CTO of a, of a desk within a larger financial organization, um, or maybe you're a CTO of a uh, startup, more organization which used needs to be extremely extremely performant and you are going to focus on your only uh, option is finding superstars, right? Because you cannot afford a more balanced team. So you need to you need to have this kind of uh to have this kind of a fo- focus team with uh with superstars and um if you are in a larger organization, then you, then you, you sorry, <clears throat> you need to be more, uh, balanced, you need to find the balance between, uh, the senior guys, the, the upcoming guys, you need to have a pipeline, um, juniors coming along because people will leave after a while and you always have to have, um, you know, new guys coming in and learning their ropes. uh, I think it's always good to focus there are a few tricks, let's say, which work in all of these uh, situations. One of them was, yeah, focusing on the best people you can get, but mostly focusing on the hardworking people. Right. It's, uh, I think it's super important. Like one person who is not a hard worker will spoil the, the whole thing. That's one person. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to fire the non-hardworking people, you need Good for your, uh, for the health of your team. It's needed for the health of your team. uh it's needed for the for the motivation of your team. It's not good for you. It's always hard, hard fire people. Uh, some people uh, avoid it, um, because uh, avoid it without even realizing it. But uh yeah, there's something you need to, yeah, to do just to maintain the, the health and. Yeah, the motivation of your team. so i would say if i would be boiled down uh to, to a few uh advices adapt make sure you build the team you need for that particular job don't try it for example if you need to build one a uh, 100 people team don't try to hire only support stars. if you mm-hmm. need seven it's fine only score stars if you need 100 uh you need uh, way more uh, balance uh so adapt and what you need uh, and um, make sure you hire on people who are hard workers um, that's super important.
0: that's great advice uh i think i really appreciate the second one because there's uh if you read the, uh, a lot of reader leadership books or management books it's always diluted and the version is soft uh like uh, build a it's 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 re- it's rarely the case when somebody says hardworking. It's it's almost be- it's, it's it's like uh, it, it became very quite unpopular world word to use uh, hardworking. Uh, it's usually uh, used uh, as uh, um, ownership or, or or things of that sort. I think it's a great mm-hmm. word to put uh, to describe it, um, even though it's not that popular. Um, other words sort of diluted, uh, dilute the meaning of, 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 uh, maybe not ownership, but ownership, like maybe doesn't necessarily mean hardworking. Um, I really, one, have... one other thing, which kind of relates to
1: what you mentioned, like uh, what I find kind of diluted is like, some people say that, okay, you need to try to get people motivated in order to, allow uh, for them to perform or something like that. And I think. I mean, with time, you will find out that, uh, some people will not change. Um, and it's super hard to change people. I think you can only motivate people to work hard to a certain degree. You can demotivate people a lot, uh, and that's your fault. If you demotivate people, it's your fault. uh, And then you, you were the one who screwed up, uh, but, uh, motivating people to work hard, that's super difficult to do. Um, so that's why I would, uh. Frankly, if I see that somebody, if I have a team, people are working hard uh, and they are involved in engage and so on. And then if you have one or two people who are not, I wouldn't even try to, um, to get those people to be hard workers. Most probably it's, it's there, it's not you. Um, obviously you need a little bit of experience. i probably work right now with a few hundred people, uh, like the biggest project I've coordinated, were probably uh, more, well, more than 100 people. Mm. Uh, so I worked a lot with people by now, I would say, uh, I mean, this spirit, not sound very modest, but I think I, I have the ability of, uh, understanding whether somebody's hard work or not. Uh, but this comes with time. You just, you just need to pay attention to the people around you. Uh, if you are at 55 and you just get promoted from a developer to a team lead, you will not have the screeners So. Start looking around. Start learning about people. Start learning about people management, and start trying to, to observe the patterns, let's say. And then, um, by the time you are like that, is something you will have this capability of uh, understanding people, reading people. Um, and uh, once you do that, go with your uh, with your gut. If you feel like one person is not hard worker, well, most probably, or from you're right. If you have the right screen.
0: Thank you very much. That was really valuable insights. Uh, thank you for thank you for uh, discussing the present, the past, and the future, and giving uh, advice to me and uh, the audience of the podcast. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Really appreciate. it. Better Tech Leadership
0: powered by BrainHub. Follow Les Schick on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Better Tech Leadership newsletter.